series and those of you who've been watching us around the world thank you for your emails and your support I had an email from someone who sent to me it says uh, it's like a one sentence email it says Dr. Monroe I was about to give up thank God for streaming faith I heard you today and I decided to continue in the ministry that's the kind of impact this teaching is having on people's lives our focus this year have been rediscovering the message, the method, and the mandate of Jesus Christ, which is the kingdom of God. But this morning, we're going to take a look at the kingdom, which is our series. We're focusing on the kingdom in this section, but we want to deal with very quickly, today's topic is the 26 components of a kingdom. Write that down, please. The 26 components of a kingdom. A couple of reminders. Number one, there is nothing more powerful than an idea. Because ideas are the, are the raw material for the creation of concepts. Concepts are produced by ideas. And concepts are the source of communication. Thirdly, Concepts are the foundation for our communication and it determines the success of our understanding. If you don't have the same concept I have, then you and I can never understand one another. So it's important for you to appreciate the power of ideas. Number four, if your concept is wrong, then your conclusions will be wrong. And if your conclusions are wrong, then you will have a misconception or fall into error. So the most important thing you want to do in life is to get the right concepts from people. And number four, misconception is a result of this erroneous understanding of concepts. The original concept is always in the mind of the source of the one who's sending the information to you. So the only person that knows what they mean is the one who is talking. So if you don't understand them, you got to somehow get into their head and find out what is their thinking. What do they see in their heads? That is called a concept. A concept is an idea that has been crystallized in a person's mind and they got a picture of it and they try to convey that picture to you by using words. The only problem is you have to have the same concepts already. So for example, if I said I would like, I would like a juju. Now if I say that in Texas somewhere, they won't know what I'm talking about. They probably think of witchcraft. But in the Bahamas, if I say I'd like a juju, what do I mean? A fruit. A certain kind of fruit. See, you already have a concept of what a juju is. Some people don't. <laughs> How about, I would like a bunch of canepts. If you say that in California, they won't know what you're talking about. But in the Bahamas, what is a canep? It's a fruit. You got the concept of it. So if I stand up on television worldwide and says, salvation is like a canep. They will never know what I'm talking about. Therefore, they'll never understand salvation. That's how important a concept is. So whenever you speak, the person you're speaking to must first have the same concepts as you. Otherwise, there'll be no communication success. Is that clear? So whenever God speaks to us, he first will always make sure that we have the same concepts that he is using words to define so that we can walk away with the same results. Now, the original concept that God uses for himself to describe himself, what he's doing to us, is the word kingdom. The problem is, in most of our modern societies, there are no kingdoms. Democracy is not a kingdom. A republic is not a kingdom. 
Uh, socialism is not a kingdom. Communism is not a kingdom. Democratic society is not a kingdom. And yet the Bible talks about a kingdom. So we have a problem here. There's a, there's a breakdown in communication between us and God. The question is, why did God use the word kingdom to describe himself and what he wants to do? Because the Bible is about a king. It's about a kingdom and it's about his royal children. So when you read the Bible, you must know three things. You must know what is a king, what is a kingdom, and what it is to be a part of a royal family. If you don't know those three things, you will misconceive the Bible and your results will be a religion built on an error. Most of what we're doing today, therefore, in Christendom is really, it has to be challenged because we're not sure whether what we have received is what God meant. The original purpose and plan of God was to establish and extend his heavenly kingdom on earth. That is a very important foundation principle we talk about every time, but that's important because we keep going back to that. God, therefore, never wanted a religion. His idea was to establish a kingdom on earth from heaven and administrate that kingdom through his sons. And therefore, the first assignment God gave Adam, the man, was the assignment of dominion. If you have a Greek dictionary or a Hebrew dictionary, look up the word dominion in the dictionary, and you'll find this word, kingdom. It's the same root word used by Moses when he says in Genesis 1.26, let them have dominion. The word used there is the word kingdom. It means rulership over a territory. Very important. So the first assignment God gave man was to have dominion, which means to be a king over a domain called earth. So the first thing God gave Adam was a kingdom. When you use the word dominion, it's the same word as kingdom in the Hebrew language, which is the original language of the Old Testament. So when you read the Old Testament, when you read that verse, remember to go back and say it. Let them have kingdom over the fish, the birds, the, the cattle, the trees, and over all the earth. Let them have what? Kingdom. Let them have what? Go with me now. Let them have what? So the first thing God gave man was what? A kingdom. Which means that if God gave Adam and his race a kingdom, whatever they lost would be the losing of a kingdom. Therefore, man really did not lose a religion when he fell. What man lost was dominion, a kingdom. Now, if man lost a kingdom and God sets up a redemption program to restore what man lost, then whatever God sends to earth would be what man lost. What did man lose? A kingdom. What did God give man? Come on, answer me, please. What did God give man? So what did Adam lose? So what did Jesus bring? He had to bring a kingdom. This is so important because, you see, Christianity is not a kingdom. Christianity is an excellent religion with a lot of defects. But it's not a kingdom. And until we change that entire concept, we'll continue to live under the guise of religion and forfeit the benefits of living in a kingdom. Let's read Psalm 24. I love this Psalm, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Out loud together. And the King of glory shall come in. Read on. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Now, is there any question what God is? What word does God use to describe himself? King, not a prime minister, not a president, not a mayor, not a governor, but a king. So for you to understand that verse, you got to have a concept of what a king is. And notice uh, in that verse, he interchanges between king and lord. Because a king is automatically a lord. We know a little bit about that already. 
But the point I want to drive home is that he is a king, which means that when you read the message of Jesus, he has to be talking about a king with a kingdom. Matthew 13, 18, very quick. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, Jesus said, the evil one comes immediately to steal it away what was sown in his heart. Matthew 13, 33, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Oh, I love it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Matthew 4, Matthew 13, 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Jesus is preaching. Got to move fast here. Matthew 16, 19, right fast. I will give you what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, 27, I tell you the truth, Jesus is preaching. Some of you standing here today will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Boy, one day I'm going to teach that for 24 hours. That statement is loaded because that statement destroys a lot of theology today. Jesus made that statement 2,000 years ago. And he said to the people who were standing with him in that village, you will be alive when my kingdom begins. We keep thinking that the kingdom is something that's coming. Now either Jesus lied or some preachers are lying, some theologians are lying. Now Jesus said to those people standing there, you will still be alive when my kingdom begins on earth. We got to deal with that issue. Let me tell you why that's important. One statement. You cannot appropriate what you postpone. If you keep postponing the kingdom to the future, you can never live in it now. Which means you cannot benefit from it now. And that's why we keep on, you know, climbing up. And holding on. Because we have this religion that keeps pushing the impact of the kingdom to the future. Christ says the kingdom is already in force right now. And it shall be consummated. We know that. But it's already in force. God, I'm so tempted to talk about this. Let me tell you why. A few hours ago, I was in Orlando, Florida. But guess what? I was still a Bahamian. I was not going to be a Bahamian when I come back home. Anybody with me? No matter where I go, I am still a Bahamian under the jurisdiction of the Bahamian government. That's why they give me a passport. And the passport said, this is property of the Bahamas government. That means even though I am in America, I don't belong to America. I am the property of my government. Be in the world. In other words, don't wait to be a kingdom citizen when you die. Be one now in this foreign country called Earth. My government is responsible for me wherever I go. Some of you are wondering why the prime minister personally sent a jet to get the students out of where? Jamaica. When? What was happening? A riot. Why? Because the government is responsible for its citizens and will go and get them if there's a problem. Some of you are in trouble right now. And the reason why God can't come and get you because you don't believe you're a citizen yet. Oh, you don't understand. He says, this kingdom is here now. I made a statement last year, and I repeated it, and repeated it again. The problem with the kingdom is that it only works by faith. Let me tell you what that means. If you don't believe something, God cannot do it. If you believe that the kingdom is coming, God can never take care of you now. Because your belief is blocking the action of God.
So I keep teaching it. I know, Pastor Bars again. Yes, because you see, you still ain't getting it. It ain't working in your life because you still think this is a good teaching. This is no good teaching. I'm giving you your passport. <laughs> and it's supposed to work tomorrow morning. If you don't believe the kingdom is operational now, it cannot work in your life. Because God cannot violate your unbelief. Jesus went to his own city where he grew up in, in Nazareth. He went there to visit one time. And the Bible says there were many sick in the village. And the Bible says he could not heal them. Not because he didn't have the healing. It said because of their, un their unbelief. They blocked what was present. I wonder what you're blocking because you don't believe. I literally, listen, I'm too far gone. I hope you join me. I literally believe that I have access to heaven now. Now, now, now. Access. Listen, he says, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. See, the last part is important. Keys means access to open and close anytime. No, he still ain't got it. Not to the kingdom on earth, but to the kingdom of heaven, which means that I have access on earth in heaven now. I got to learn to use those keys so I can unlock things that heaven can float out to earth. Bless the name of Jesus. Hope you get excited as I'm excited. Matthew 18, 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle account with his servants. Matthew 20, verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. All these are statements of Jesus. I want to show you in these verses that all he talked about was the kingdom. Very important. Look at this verse, Matthew 23, verse 13. Woe to you religious Pharisees, those of you who are teachers of the law, you hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not want to go, and you won't let them go who want to go. Man, he was upset. He said, religious people don't want to enter the kingdom, and they don't want to let the people who want to enter it, enter it. See, look at that verse. He says, the number one block to the kingdom is religious people. He said, the number one hindrance to the kingdom is religion. He said the number one pack of people who will keep in the kingdom is theological experts. Doctors of the law. To enter the kingdom, you almost got to throw away your degrees. And I did. Because I went to college, went to seminary, and there was not one class on the kingdom. And I got a degree. Religion is big business. Write that down, please. Anything that disturbs religion will be attacked because religion is big business. And that's why people love religion, because that's business. Could you imagine what would happen if you don't need to confess your sins to nobody? Somebody out of a job. I mean, what would happen if every time you pray, you got healed yourself? You ain't got to go to no prayer line. Boy, some pastors would be depressed because they feed of your dependency. Religion is big business. The kingdom threatens religion every time. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel, Jesus said, of the kingdom will be preached into a whole world as a testimony to all men and every nation and then the end will come he tied the end of his coming of this age to the preaching of the kingdom not to the preaching of anything else so his coming is tied on what we're preaching and i ask you a question what are the preachers preaching i don't care where they are what are they preaching do you hear them preach the kingdom do they understand it do they have the concept 
cannot preach what you do not know. Hallelujah. Matthew 25, verse 34, write it down. It says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now look at the word here. Since creation means at the beginning of the creation of the world, which means that the kingdom that you received, you didn't get it after he died on the cross. You got it how long ago? When the world began, remember? He gave it to you where? In the garden. He says, take back what has been always yours. Lord, have mercy. He said, Adam, here's the stuff you lost. It's yours by, see, inheritance means yours by right. Oh, boy. The kingdom of God is not a gift. It's an inheritance. If your mother and father left you a card, that ain't no gift. That's, that's an inheritance right. No one can keep that from you. And that's why the greatest news in the world is the fact that you have a kingdom that belongs to you. Your kingdom that God gave you from the beginning is yours again. You can come back and be a citizen in your government and in your country called heaven. I'm telling you, friends, the greatest news in the world is that you can come back home to your father who is the king. Don't come as a slave. He don't want that. He can give you back your robe, give you back your slipper, put your ring back on your finger, and give you the biggest kingdom meal you ever ate. That's his plan for you. You are royal blood. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. But it doesn't happen unless you believe it. When you go to work tomorrow, you sit at your desk. I want you to sit down and look around the room and just smile and say, these folks don't know who's sitting here with them. I saw on an airplane yesterday, a guy says, how you doing? I said, I said, I'm fine. He says, boy, now, now I feel safe. I said, you're right about that, brother. Royal blood on this plane, nothing can happen to this plane because my daddy's army is watching over this aircraft. But you got to believe that. Your protection is based on your belief. Paul believed he couldn't die when that ship wrecked. Paul says, I cannot die. You all stay with me. I mean, here's the ship falling apart. Paul says, I cannot die. So you all do what I say and stay with me and no one will die. Do you have that kind of faith of who you are? Royal blood? Tell the chair, you glad I'm sitting in you today. You know that chair you're sitting in has become a throne today? Clap your hands right there. That's a, that's a throne. But you got to believe that See, some of you believe that you need an expensive chair for you to be expensive. That means you, got, you still got third world mental damage. No matter where you sit, it's a throne. <laughs> the chair don't make the king royal. The king makes the chair royal. Are you believing this stuff? So don't let nobody tell you you're wearing raggy clothes. Mm -mm, this, is, this is royal rags. In the name of Jesus. When you eat today, that's a royal meal. I'm telling you, when you walk in your car today, and I don't care what kind of car it is, that's a royal coach. Attitude. And you know, people see me driving around in some cars, they, they think I'm impressed. I'm not impressed. I used to drive my Toyota, maybe my wife and little red Toyota. That was, a, that was a royal coach. When your attitude understands this, everything changes. You don't need to move to a bigger house to feel like you're in a castle if you understand that you are the one that makes the place royal. See, and that's why, see, religion makes you go after things. But the kingdom makes things come after you. When a car want to be important, it finds me. <laughs> Woo, glory. Why do you think that they keep using all these movie stars and these sports figures to advertise things? Because the things ain't got no value. <laughs> you think about it. So they try to put value in the things by putting the person in the thing. So they put Tiger Woods in a, in a, in a Buick and you think it's a nice car. He don't make it any nicer. But you see, you're so mentally controllable, 
You figure, I driving the same thing he drove. Mm -mm, that car was a car, the same car all the time. What you need to do is say, look, he played golf. I am a ruler. Now this car got value if I buy this car. That's a poor hand, oh, the year of little faith. If you get this revelation, you'll stop competing with the Joneses. Get the pressure off. Your apartment is a royal apartment when you go home today. And you live by yourself, you live by your royal self. Clap loud, you single people, praise the name of Jesus. You got no problems. Hallelujah. And when you get married, it will be a royal wedding. Clap again. That's a good one to clap. You better catch that one. You are the one that makes things valuable. That's why Christ says, when they ask Christ, where do you sleep? He said, where I sleep? He said, foxes got hold, birds got nests. Wherever I lay down, that's where I sleep. I make things important. Royalty is in your blood. Look at this one, Luke chapter 22. I love this one. It says, and I confer on you a kingdom, Jesus speaking, just as my father conferred one on me. Now, this is an amazing verse. We can teach this one one week too. This is a powerful verse. Because it implies that he didn't have one. Why? Because the one that he received was yours. And he came to give it back to you. He said, the Father give it to me, I give it back to you. Christ didn't come to die for himself to get something he lost. He came to die for you to get something you lost. Whatever his price paid for was your property. So he conferred it back on you. It's a kingdom. All right. What did he speak after he got it from the, from the grave? I love this verse. I tell you, I keep repeating it. John 18, 36. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight for me. My arrest by, your, by the Jews would be stopped if my kingdom was of this world. He said, but... Now, now, my kingdom is not from, an, from, is from another place, rather. Now, it's from another place. When? Now, it's from another place. You folks here from America, let me tell you something. You are an American now, but you're in the Bahamas. But you are American now. <laughs> the prime minister went to get the, the Bahamians from Jamaica because of the threat that they saw. He went to get them because they were Bahamians now. Your location doesn't cancel your status. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you go. Heaven got his eyes on you. You know, when I read the Bible, some read the Bible, I go, gosh, now I finally figured it out. You cannot read the Bible without understanding kingdom. Then the Bible says things like this. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. His eyes are always upon the righteous. You ever heard this? Uncle Sam is watching you. The big eye is watching you. There is an eye, you're right, that's watching all of us who are kingdom citizens. Oh. You feel excited? You realize that heaven, the whole government, got you tagged. Wherever you go, they watch you. They see a car coming, they move it on the side. No, no, don't, don't, don't. Would you hit her? Watch it. So somebody making a plan, you go in a hole yourself. Leave her alone. David says, the holes they dug for me, he have made them fall in them themselves. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ears are always open to their cry. The government always got its eye on the citizen. And if they see threat coming, they send an airplane to go get you. Oh, 
Oh, you don't understand kingdom. Daniel said, if you put me in the den, that's all right. Shadrach said to Meshach and the big Negro, let me tell you something. If they put us in the fire, we don't care. And heaven was watching every move of Nebuchadnezzar. And heaven says, okay, tell you what, uh, Jesus now, you know, Jesus the king in heaven, he watching. He said, the citizens going in the fire. He said, daddy, don't put it out. Let me go in with them. <laughs> Some of the things you're going through this week, I want to tell you, he ain't going to deliver you from them. He can, he can deliver you in them. Clap your hands, thank God. Believe it right now. He's going to deliver you in them. He's going to be there with you. He's going to show that thing that it ain't bigger than his citizens. Bless the name of Jesus. Something good's going to happen to you this week. Say it loud. Something good is going to happen to me this week. If you keep believing that, it happens. Because I'm a citizen. His eyes roam to and fro the earth, seeking those whose hearts are right before him. By the way, the word righteous means right relationship with the government. He watches over you. John 18, 37, I love it. Jesus answered, Pilate asked him, are you a king? His answer, yes. You are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason was I born. Now, there's no clearer answer than that you need from Jesus. He said, the reason I was born, not to be a priest, not even to be a prophet, even though I serve in those functions. He said, the reason I was born is because I am a king, not a prime minister, not a president. You don't vote me in. I am a king. The next statement is amazing. He says, and for this I came into the world to testify. Now, write the word testify down. See, when you think of testify, you all think, but jump at church and think. Let me tell you, testify, write the word testify down. Testify means to test in order to prove. It's the same word as experiment. He said, look, not only am I a king, but I came for you to test me to prove that I am. I came to bring you evidence that this thing is about a king and a kingdom. That's the test. Very important. And then the last statement, everyone who is on the side of truth, they're the ones who receive my message. When you hear me, he says, if you're looking for the truth, you'll know that that's the truth. How many of you have been receiving the teaching for the last few months and you believe that this makes sense? Let me see. Is, is, it, is it resonance inside? I mean, this, this, is, this is freedom. It frees me from the religious dogma and pressure I was under in my life. It gives me answers. I love this. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering on the cross, he showed himself to these men gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them for over 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. After the resurrection, he still kept on preaching the same thing. Now, write these words down. I think you might have had this last time. I want to bring them back to you. The word kingdom is the word basilia in the New Testament Greek, and it's uh, the word mulkot in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament. And here's what it means. The word basilia means sovereignty, royal power, dominion. The word mulkot in the Hebrew, means to reign, to rule. It, de it denotes a king and his territory. The word also means that it, it has to have to do with dominion over a territory by a king. It's powerful words, Mokot, Basilia. These are the words used in the Bible for this word kingdom that Jesus kept talking about. And they all have to do with sovereign power. By the way, uh, when Jesus says, I got this revelation seven days ago. I was in Africa and I got revelation. I was in my hotel room meditating on my message and I think the thing exploded. I almost screamed out. When I read this again, the word basilia means sovereign royal power. Now let me, I want you to think about that. Say it with me. Sovereign royal power. Now let's quote Jesus. I confer on you a sovereign royal power.
Uh, I thought only God was sovereign. But he is transferring some of his sovereign power to his children. Oh, help me, Lord. The word dominion means sovereign power. So he gave us dominion. Listen, here's Revelation. He gave us sovereign power over the earth. Sovereign means whatever I allow to happen, happens. Whatever I do, I'm responsible for. That's mind-blowing to me. Now I understand why he says, whatever you bind on earth, then heaven could bind it. Because you're the one with the sovereign power. Religion is afraid of that kind of gospel. Because religion always wants to transfer responsibility for its actions to the devil or someone else. Could you imagine God telling you, whatever you are, you decided to become? Yeah, the devil, no, ain't the devil God says, you <laughs> decided to become what you are right now. You are the sovereign power on earth. If you decide you're going to be fat, you make your decisions accordingly. No, you overweight. Don't you dare tell the devil he made you fat. You smoked cigarettes for 30 years, and now you got cancer. You said the devil give you sickness. You are the sovereign power on earth. On earth. Only earth. Listen to Jesus. No wonder why. See, his words make sense, brother. He says, wherever any two of you shall touch and agree concerning anything on the earth, it shall be done of your father who is not on earth. So he can't do it until you agree, okay, you can do it now. We are waiting on God to do things. But God is waiting on us. Sovereign rule. What is a kingdom? Write this down. We're getting ready to close. Write these statements down, please. These are the crutch of the matter. I'm going to define what a kingdom is for you. And then we're going to close on these 26 list of components. And we're going to take them and study them one at a time so you can get the right concepts. When this is finished, you're going to be a dangerous citizen. Because you're going to know exactly what you're supposed to do and be and expect from God. First of all, a kingdom is the sovereign influence, impact, rulership, and the authority in a territory. Is, is the sovereign impact of a king over a territory. Number two, a kingdom is the governing impact of a king's will, intent, and purpose over a domain. This is what a kingdom is. A kingdom is different from a republic. It's different from a democracy. A kingdom is the governing impact of a king's will and his intent, his purposes over a territory. Number three, a kingdom is a king's influence over a people and their domain. The prime minister does not control the Bahamians. President Bush does not control the Americans. But a kingdom is different. The king controls the subjects. You can't be in a kingdom and rebel against the king. It's impossible to be in a kingdom and rebel against the king. The two don't go together. 
In democracy, you, you can have your views and disagree with the leadership. In a kingdom, you can't disagree with the leadership. So this past week, a paper came out from the Anglican Church. The paper was an argument against the acceptance of the sanction of a gay bishop in America. The Lord spoke to me in the bathroom this morning. He says, here's the end of the matter. There will be a breaking of ties in the American Anglican Church and the rest of the world. He said, that's it. Tell them that's what's going to happen. So I now prophesy they shall break away. Now, you mark my words. I'm a prophet. It will come to pass. They have to break away. They have their own religion. They're not in the kingdom. Don't ever confuse religion with the kingdom. Religion can make its own decisions and change them anytime they want. But not in the kingdom. Look at that verse. Let me just statement. The king's influence over the people. The king influences the people. The people don't influence the king. Very important. Number four, a kingdom is a territory over which a king rules and his government has, has a structure over it. In other words, the kingdom is not only just influence, there's, a, there's actually a structure by which it works. So when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived, he was saying all of this. He's saying that the government of God that influences and impacts people and has a territory called earth, has a structure by which it works, has come to earth. It's not a religion. And number five, a kingdom is a government led by a king impacting a territory. That's the simplest comprehensive definition I could give you. A kingdom is a government led by a king impacting a territory. That is what a kingdom is. That is what Jesus meant. That is what he believes. That is what he preached. And that is what we must accept. If you look at this definition, there is no religion in it. It's a structure. With that in mind, very quickly write these 26 words down. Number one, there are 26 components of a kingdom. Now, I have, a, I have isolated a few more from my research, but I have in my hand a book that everybody should read. And in the back of this book, I list the 26 components, but I also define them briefly. Uh, here's my recommendation when you, when you buy this book. When you buy this book, read that last chapter first. Okay? Go over to 26. It's a very small chapter. Read that first, study that first, and then read the book. If you read those 26 components first, you get your definitions, your concepts. Now you can read the book. So this is the first book you ever buy. You start at the back. Because in the back, I give you the handles to handle the rest of the book. Is that clear? These books are available in the bookstore all over America, Canada, Europe. You can get them right here in the bookstore right here after the service. If you're a member and haven't read this book yet, I'm going to make a strong appeal for you to make sure you invest and do it today. And I trust that you will take good advice from your pastor and read that book. I'll autograph books today too, so it'll be worth more when you get an autograph. Okay. They say it's $12,000. We'll see what that means. All right. A king. Number two, every kingdom has a lord. The king is a lord. He is the lord. The word Lord, we'll explain that a little later in our next session next Sunday. Number three, every kingdom has a territory. You cannot have a kingdom without a territory. Number four, every kingdom must have a constitution. That's a body of information. I call it the king's contract with his subjects. Number five, every kingdom must have laws by which the kingdom operates. Number six, Every kingdom has what they call keys, and these are principles by which the kingdom works. And number seven, every kingdom must have citizens. And these are the people that the king chooses to be in his kingdom. It's reversed from democracy. 
In democracy, you choose the leader. In a kingdom, the king, the king chooses you. <laughs> Man, the more I understand kingdom, the more I understand how much God loves us. Do you know in history, people used to actually beg kings to make them citizens? Why? Because the minute you become a citizen of a king, of a king and a kingdom, the kingdom takes over responsibility for your life. Oh, you don't get it. So you don't want to be under a poor king. Come on, history is strange. So people used to be actually wanting to be under certain kings because when you are under a king, the king's reputation is determined by the prosperity of his citizens. 